We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Wednesday, the 12th day of October, the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Johnny Anderson alongside Bruce Adams and Weston. And we will be joined by our guest in just a moment. Bruce, how are you today? Healthy and alive. Uh, doing well. Fantastic. Glad to hear it. And back with us again this week is Weston from CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Weston, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Johnny? I've, if I felt any better, it wouldn't be legal. Good answer. Okay. I have got a few things lined up today, and we were just kind of discussing some of that in prep. And I do apologize for the lengthy prep session. That was my fault. I've been trying to get with it all afternoon, and I'm just kind of dragging a little bit. But nonetheless, let's go ahead and get get right into it. Don't want to take any more of your time. You had wanted to talk about some things a couple of weeks ago that you didn't that well that we didn't get into because we kind of just through no fault of our own. I'm not gonna you know throw myself under the bus like that, but. We, we just didn't kinda, have time, you know. Yeah, we, we just yeah. didn't have time because we just started talking about other things. So what did you want to discuss a couple of weeks ago? And then because, I mean, we've got some stuff today, but we can just kind of work that in as we go along. But uh, what are the key points right. you wanted to discuss today? And we will just take so, our cues from you. All righty. Then, uh, yeah, I, I was going to want to discuss, well, I did have a couple of books. I was going to read a couple of passages from, you know, just basically, I think helps illuminate sort of the elite's mentality and sort of the global cabal that... You know, runs the world. You know, what exactly in the eugenicist sort of aspect of it, you know, what exactly they, they think. I was going to read a couple of passages from books before I, I get into that. I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, and more about what, uh, you know, what made Alan Watt more unique and special among, you know, sort of Patriot Radio hosts and the different people in alternative media. Because it's all sorts of people that talk about the Club of Rome, the World Economic Forum, and discuss the latest news and so on, like just like Alan did, or not just like Alan, but, but like similar to Alan, but. The, you know, I, I just wanted to give a little a few points about, you know, what made him, you know, so great and, I, and what made him, you know, I think, you know, probably, I think, well, more influential over my life than, you know, anyone else. And I think uh, one of the reasons I think uh, what made Alan so unique is that he he was probably the first person. I think he came out with this in 1998 or 1999, no, 1998. And in his first cutting through book, he said, this is the final phase of humanity as we know it. And he didn't say he didn't, you know, qualify that with, oh, unless we reverse it, you know, or or unless we all stand together and, and you know, fight back because he knew, you know, a mass movement wasn't going to work. He, I think that second video that I put up on YouTube and BitChute saying, you know, I had, I had like a little clip. I put up a clip of Alan Watts saying, you know, you can't you, you can't form groups and use the system to fight the system. It's not going to work. Um, so. You know, I think he was one of the first people to recognize that, uh, it's, you know, rather than, you know, trying to put your hopes and expectations and, and for your future happiness and so on in the system and, and trying to fix it, really, you got to focus on yourself, fixing yourself. You know, the occasional individual is the one who can reach an understanding, a more accurate and truer understanding than what's prevented, presented to you of reality. And uh, you, you can you, you can you control your own life. But, you know, as far as the system is, is concerned, there's no fixing it. It's a rotten evil system and i think he's one of the first people 
that uh, came out with that information back in 1998. So that was something very special about Alan Watt that I wanted to mention. I don't know. I know, Johnny, you've mentioned that you've listened to Alan Watt before. I don't know if you, you, there was anything about his message that you, you thought was, you know, you particularly liked or... It was the way that he presented his information is is what mm-hmm. is what drew me to that. It, it's it's how articulate he was and, and how he was able to right. get that across. And he wasn't complex about it. He was very layman's terms and and he was very to the point. He didn't beat around the bush. Uh, he did, you know, for a lack of a better uh, phrase, but he uh, he didn't beat around the bush. He he went straight into the meat and potatoes of what the problem was that we were facing, and it was the mm-hmm institutions, you know, these shadowy groups that are behind, you know, the banking institutions, the NGOs, the think tanks, uh, these types of things. We were discussing some individuals in particular in prep, like Henry Kissinger, the Hudson Institute. Herman Kahn. Herman Kahn. You mentioned uh, the Club of Rome. Uh, We talked about John K. Galbraith just a little bit. You know, his name came up. These individuals, these are the ones, at least here in the West, that are kind of pulling the, the 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 strings behind the scenes if you will at least politically and then of course you've got people that you know bankroll them behind that and who they are as far as like every single individual name we'll never know at least we don't know up to this point we have a pretty good idea we have a pretty good indication uh, through research and and different talks and presentations over the years showing this to be the case but it's how he was able to present the information to me that's what actually changed my way of thinking Mm -hmm. for I, I want to say it was it, like that was my first iteration of like actual political awakening. I was I was still stuck in that uh, in that paradigm, you know, the left, right, uh, Republican, Democrat, whatever. I, right. I was still stuck in that, and I was I was thinking, okay, uh, Obama bad, but it was the only reasons I had came from everybody that I knew at the time and everything that was being talked about in the TV and in the newspapers. It wasn't an actual thought that I had. But I didn't realize that at the time. I, I never knew that. It was just something that I went along and, you know, just kind of gathered with what everybody else was thinking that was on the opposing side right. to it. And I, but I did, again, I was completely unaware of that. I wasn't able to think on my own. And it wasn't until I heard guys, well, like Alan and, and people like him saying, you're going to have to do this for yourself. This isn't going to be, as you said, it's not going to be groups or it, you're not going to find your salvation in the system. And, and this is back in 08, 09, when I heard him talking about stuff like this. And it wasn't salvageable then. There's no reason to think that it is now. Yeah. And it's gotten a lot worse now. Yeah. It always gotten whole by, by order of magnitude. I can't even I, I can't even fathom how this is going to go. But it is exactly what you say. It has to be you as in the individual. It has to be you thinking for yourself. And and again, as I was mentioning in prep, if you even look at this, like kind of what we were discussing yesterday, this this whole idea of this uh, Russia-Ukraine thing and, and these people here in the West, and we were talking about China and these things, people don't understand. They run both sides of the agenda. And I'm talking about the people that oppose us here in the West, our Western values. They own both sides of the agenda. They own the left agenda and they own the right agenda. So it, it's they yeah. have to with that dialectic of of Marxism, they have to keep you in that that dialectic. You have to constantly be going back and forth with each other, and they control both sides of it. It's called a scissor strategy, and that's where they have yeah. everybody. Capitalism versus co- communism, too. Capitalism versus exactly. communism during the Cold War. Exactly. Yeah. And now I think, and, and please tell me if you disagree, but now now I think that, and again, this is something we were discussing. Now I think it's to the point where the finance capital here in the West went over to the East, be it Russian uh, businesses that they ran through the oligarchs or the Chinese Communist Party. 
they've done business deals with these <laughs> these organized crime groups and they got reverse infiltrated. They didn't become capitalists. We got infiltrated by Marxists here in the West. And now you've got the people here in the West, you know, the politicians that are just faces. You've got them that are trying to save face and break those economic deals. But at the same time, we're being, if you look at what Russia's doing, if you look at what Putin's doing, he's coming out, he's openly criticizing the West, saying it's satanic and, and this and that. Right. Okay, fine. And you've got uh, one of their, let me pull the quote, you've got one of their members of their Duma, which is like their Congress, I'm doing the air quotes Congress. And today he said... Yeah. Uh, Alexander T uh, Tolmachev said when he was asked by separatist movements in the United States, this is his quote, if the American people vote to secede some states from the country and express a desire to join Russia, Moscow will consider it. So the only hope that they have, do, do, you, do you see my point? This, this, proves, this proves it right here. The only hope that they have is to appeal as in like what Putin is saying and what people like this are saying, is to appeal to us here in the West that are dissatisfied with our, quote, leaders and our politicians. It's to appeal to us, hey, we have your interests at heart. We know what's going on. Of course you want to turn against them. No, 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 no. You need to turn against that that we have running us because they have sold us out. They don't have something better to offer. And the people outside of Western civilization certainly don't have anything better to offer. We have got to do exactly yeah. what you said. We have got to chart our own way. It has got to be the informed, educated individual. It's got to be that. Yeah. I would say, uh, I remember Jack Satali's A Brief History of the Future. I always think back to that book because he said, I think the American empire is going to collapse by 2035 or around about that time. He said, and basically what, what we are experiencing is sort of like a collapse, the collapsing empire because the people, the really wealthy people, the central bankers and so on, they decided to collapse America and they decided to put all their money, their wealth elsewhere. And, uh, you know, you know, so we're just sort of, and it's in the empire collapses behind and you know, it's happened many times in the past and it's going to happen in the United States. And that's what Atali was saying in that book. And I think uh, once you realize that uh, basically, I mean, America, I mean, from the very beginning, I think if, if you go back even, you know, after the Revolutionary War and how Britain could have... You know, if they really, because they were one of the largest naval powers in the world at the time, if they, they really wanted to, they could have really crushed us, uh, the, the Revolutionary War, and the Americans in the Revolutionary War. But they didn't, because uh, you'll find that the the King of England and, and many of his buddies, they were major stockholders in, in the Bank of England, and the Bank of England owned all sorts of things in, in the American colonies. And so since they still owned so so much of the businesses and still were, you know, profiting off the tax money and so on uh, of America, they didn't care that we were politically independent. So, you know, that's really what happened. And then you know, it's, it's a long story. They made more now, money. But... And they made more money yeah. from it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, uh, once you realize that uh, what's been really behind the scenes in your country, been acted, the real actors in history that have made, you know, really scripted the, all the historical events and you know, the movers and shakers of everything, that they really are not what you'd consider to be American at all, that were running it in the, in the first place. You, you realize that... Uh, they they just simply moved on the Russia and China and, you know or like you know different places in the east far east and there's also uh, Africa as well uh, you know, it's going to become uh, well the UN is terrified that sub-Saharan Africa is going to have continue to have high fertility rates and it's going to cause the population of the world to skyrocket but other demographers are like and I was writing about this on uh, Sunday fertility rates are across the world are all you know lowering and sub-Saharan Africa is no different. But anyways, uh, that's that's another topic. But yeah, no. Getting back to what you were talking about, the West, you know, sort of being sold out to the East. 
sort of thing. And so, you know, yeah, you, know, you have Russia saying, hey, people in the United States who, uh, you know, don't like your government, don't like your politicians, come join us. <laughs> you know? um, and that yeah, literally sure. has happened, by the way. There are people who are American, have no previous ties to Russia, moving to Russia and liking it better. That, that's that's actually happened. Yeah. And for a few cases. So, um, but no, the, the Russian system, I mean, first of all, the Russia is completely on board with the population. I mean, they've been depopulated quite a, to a certain extent already. Well, if, plus if they you... have the, the vaccination issue. Plus they have, you know, I mean, so they, they, China is going to have a massive population collapse, bigger than any, yes. anywhere else, naturally, because they're, they're the biggest yes. country. Very well managed. And, and you know, it's, um, they're all completely on board, all the same agendas that the Western elites were on, on board with, because the, the Western elites and the Eastern elites, they're, they're, they work together, you know, just I, like they did I, during the Cold War. Exactly. You know, I, uh, I said I said that I, again. I made the mistake. I almost called it the one China policy. The one child policy is what the is what China adopted. I, I find it interesting. You know, you say that uh, Russia's got problems. They do. They actually do. And we don't hear too much about them. They try and keep that as suppressed as they can. But if you look at their abortion rates in Russia, they have a higher mm-hmm. abortion rate per capita than what the United States does. Yeah. Also, when it comes to uh, opioid, you know, an opioid epidemic, again, they have more opioid users per capita than what the U.S. does. And we've got a like our opioid crisis is out of control. Ours is out of control. So I can only imagine what it's like uh, in in Russia. So, I I mean, I think it's a dead argument. I mean, when you know these these facts and these figures and these statistics of what's actually going on, then when you hear somebody like a Vladimir Putin or. Uh, this uh, Alexander uh, Alexander Tolmachov guy come uh, come out mm-hmm. and say, yeah, you unhappy people in these Western countries, if you want to secede, yeah, sure, you can join you can join Russia. No thanks, thanks for the offer, but no thanks. Yeah, it's not that's not a solution. It wouldn't be any better. Yeah. So anyway, uh, m- moving on. Yeah, go, go on. Oh yeah, the uh, books. Your, the book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get get into the books. I, I'm I'm curious as to uh, uh, as to what you're going to uh, clue us into here because when you first started telling me that you spent a lot of your time in some old dusty books, I thought, oh, me and this guy are going to get along really well. So what do you got? All right. So his first one I've got is uh, Prisms by Theodore Adorno, who was one of the authors of the Authoritarian Personality Report from the Macy Group, basically saying that the American culture needs to be radically altered back in the 1950s. Otherwise, okay. Americans are all going to become Nazis. I got to write so these down. So, so he, you know, he's, gonna, he's involved books. in the Frankfurt Group. Yeah. What'd you say? Frankfurt Group, yeah. I got to write these books down. So yeah. what do you got? Prisms okay. by who? So this is by Prisms by Theodore Adorno. And I, I was going to read okay. a passage on, on this book from one, page 108 to 109. And he says here, If a distinction between material and ideal, an ideal needs is drawn, as Max Horkheimer once put it, there is no doubt that the fulfillment of material needs must be given priority. For this fulfillment also involves the social change and includes, as it were, the just society, which provides all human beings with the best possible living conditions. This is identical with the final elimination of the evil of domination. To emphasize the isolated ideal demand, however, leads to real nonsense. The right to nostalgia, to transcendental knowledge, to a dangerous life cannot be validated. The struggle against mass culture can consist only in pointing out its connection with the persistence of social injustice. It is ridiculous to reproach chewing gum for diminishing the, the propensity for metaphysics. But it could probably be shown that Ridley's prophets in his Chicago palace had their roots in the social function of reconciling people to bad conditions and thus diverting them from criticism. And right next to this passage in this book, I don't know if you can see it, Alan Watt wrote Control Freak. I think that's a very good sum up of, you know... That's pretty accurate. The mentality yeah. that people... <laughs> Who, uh, you know, who are in these uh, think tanks and, you know, planning the future and so on, uh, whether they really, you know, the, the, with their thought process and like how they want to influence it through government policy and so on. These people are control freaks. And the idea that you can't take risks 
that you can't, uh, you know, have a have a right to nostalgia or, or transcendental, you know, basically like have a link to how things used to be or have, you know, transcendental knowledge. So like, you know, religious, spiritual knowledge. I mean, the fact that, you know, this is, you know, all basically you're going to get uh, just uh, be materially comfortable, whether you like it or not, you're going to have your universal basic income, your universal health care, whatever is deemed, you know, basic health care for you. And that's what you're going to get, whether you like it or not. And your right to your old traditions and nostalgia and, and traditional knowledge or religious ideas and so on. You can't have those, you know, uh, you know, re reject this system. And remember, too, if you're living in a system of universal basic income and you know, universal, whether it be mandatory education or whatever, that means that you're obligated. The people are obligated to provide those services. So it, technically, it's a form of slavery because you, you don't have an option. You have to provide the services or somebody has to or like a certain portion of the population has to be providing all these services of, under socialism for socialism to work. So, you know, it's just a slavery, complete control freak system. And so that was a very interesting passage I thought I'd share. It's very telling. I mean, if you if you listen to what they want to do with this, uh, this great reset, um, you know, the air quote thing, if, if you mm -hmm. want to listen to what if you listen to what they're wanting to do in this great reset, that's exactly that. It's it's exactly that they they want everybody just like herded and compacted and just do what you're told. And don't bother us, kind of thing. Just serve us yeah. and and leave us alone. And and this is what you need to do in order to survive. Like, yeah. how much more control freak can you get than that? And they they even want to bioengineer people. And I think uh, we're starting a an excerpt series because we we post excerpts off from Alan Watt on Wednesdays called Purpose Made People. And so we're actually like taking excerpts from Alan Watt talking about how like they're going to like train people to be their ser the servants of the future and so on. So it's going to be a very interesting series. But yeah, that, it's, that, it's part of agenda. It's in the science magazines and so on. I heard Alan talking about uh, one thing in particular. And this statement that he made is what really like it really hit hard for me. I mean, that was kind of like out of all the things that he said, this was like the ice bucket in the face kind of thing. And I wish I still had that clip. But uh, he said that. In the future system, the world that they're bringing in, anybody that's allowed to be born will serve the state. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it right there. That's the. I mean, in, in, that's the in a nutshell. That's that's the future planned for us. That's part of the depopulation agenda. They don't need all these people to serve the state. There's too many people in the world already. They're, they only need like 500 million or a billion or something. You know, depending on who you ask. Friends of the Earth says only 100 million. And you know, we, you know uh, we we actually weren't speaking. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry to interject, but you mentioned the the 500 million there, and I don't want to drift too far from that. We actually mm -hmm. weren't we weren't speaking. We hadn't met, uh, and of course, you weren't on before. But you're uh -huh. familiar with the Georgia Guidestones and how those met an untimely demise just suddenly, and they got yeah. blown up. What what was your thoughts on that? Because I mean, like I said, I'm an investigator by trade. If something like that, and I don't care if it's that or if it's something else or, or whatever, if an improvised explosive device goes off, that's a crime scene and that needs to be investigated. Within 24 hours, that whole site was bulldozed and nothing has ever been said about it since. What was your thoughts? On mm -hmm. what, are, what are your thoughts on that? I was thinking that maybe they just didn't want, uh, you know, I, I, like the thing is, it's like if they really if it was really like government funded, like proxy or something, you think they had better explosives and just blow up the whole thing. Because I think there's still some of the guys are still standing. So I'm not sure if it was a government. I think it might have been just a really irate individual. It's like, you know, I hate this agenda and I hate what these so to say. And I, I, you know, I think that these these don't need to. I don't want this monument to exist. You know? <laughs> That sort of thing. And so he blew it up. And they, I'm not sure 
if they ever the thing is i haven't been following the story so i don't know if they actually ever caught who did it well or, no or, they or, just if, like as soon as they tore him yeah, down because mystery. of safety reasons they just moved on nobody said anything about it since that, that yeah was the end of i it. think that no i think that they don't want too much attention because i mean the idea that there should only be 500 million people on earth i mean regardless of the other things that the stones say which we we could get into that I, I think is i don't know off the top of my head with all the other things i just know i just know the one thing that they're most famous for it's like it's only you don't keep keep the population of Earth not above five hundred million. You know, it's like that's a completely radical uh, statement that would require mass genocide in order to like, be accomplished. And in fact, I mean, in a less, I mean, not quite as noticeable manner. I mean, as you would typically think of for genocide, we are in fact experiencing that. We're in the coal, we're in population decline in many places of the world, and it's going to it's another eventually the whole world pretty soon and few decades is going to start beating declining according to the population projections. Although I believe it's going to be sooner. Because, you know, like, for example, I, I linked an article talking about how people aged 35 to 44 in America, their mortality rate has doubled. And like you're already seeing, it's not just the vaccines, there's all sorts of other chemicals, there's food and so on, the degenerative diseases on the rise, euthanasia is on the rise. All these things are going to combine to really speed up the depopulation program. And so they uh, they don't want people thinking about the Georgia Guidestones. So I'm not surprised that the media hasn't been talking about it or really followed up on investigating on who did it and so on. You say that your latest article on uh, or was on uh, depopulation. Thinktrainmatrix.com is the first one. It's the first one I wrote because you know uh, I was feeling it. Tell us, tell us about uh, it this weekend. No, tell us, tell us about it. Well, it's uh, it's about uh, you know that Bricker and Epperson book I I talked about on the podcast, the the empty planet, the shock of global population decline that I had mentioned. I figured you know what, since I had mentioned on the podcast but didn't really get into it, I figured I'd just write an article about it since I was feeling I'm not sure. I was like, well, what what, what will I write about? Well, I recently read that book and I thought you know there's some kind of interesting points, especially the fact that it didn't mention the rising trend in infertility and the and not just worldwide it lowers sperm counts you know men barely having any sperm compared to their parents or, or their grandparents or you know um or their fathers and grandfathers i should say you know it's just and also even women female uh they're going entering puberty at like age eight and you know, all these other things that are happening weird uh, hormonal issues they just aren't being addressed by the demographers talking about how the population is going to decline mid start declining mid-century. And so that's the gist of the article. And then, of course, I also mentioned, uh, I think at the end there, well, I mentioned the purpose made people thing that because there was a clip in the in the Sunday's past October 9th's Redux about Alan Watt talking about the purpose made people was sort of an like introduction to the excerpt series. And then uh, I also mentioned the Richard Medhurst video on the Ukraine where he sort of like 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 what you were saying earlier about on the Ukrainian war where like, you know, in Putin's speech about the annexation of, of the four regions of Ukraine that Russia recently annexed, he was talking about, you know, how evil the West was and, and the, the points he was making were valid. I mean, the West has done a lot of terrible things. The, the opium wars, the dropping the atomic bombs on Japan, even though it wasn't militarily necessary to win the war, the use uh, of de depleted uranium and white phosphorus in Iraq, you know, all these things. These are terrible uh, deeds. But you know, as this, you know, we we and people in the West are rightfully upset and don't like their governments because of these sorts of things, right? But you know, again, I emphasize in the article, the global there's a it's not a national elite, it's a global elite that runs the world, you know. And so, yeah, basically, the point you were just making earlier, I, I basically just briefly mentioned in the article as well. It's a summary of it. I have one more passage from a book I would like to read. Yeah, yeah, go one. ahead. I, I had a point. I was gonna I was gonna ask you about something, but I can't I, because you, you kept going. I and I, I lost it, but that's okay. Don't 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 worry about it. Sorry. Uh, no no problem. <laughs> yeah, no no much. no. It's fine. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, and again, okay. I I would encourage people to head on over to your website again, cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Go over to the website 
and take a look at the uh, the great work that uh, Weston and his his team uh, put up over there. So, but uh, mm-hmm. continue on. All right. So the next book I want to read from is Man Stands Alone from by Julian Huxley, which uh, Alan has mentioned on air before. I don't think he's read this passage before. He's read he's mentioned and read some things from this book before. So this is on page two sixty four to two sixty five. And is the uh, since I just mentioned depopulation agenda, I figured I'd, I'd read this passage. It's a good passage to read. Sort of get the elite's mentality on population. Let us take population. The value of human life becomes so absolute that it is murder to put away a deformed monster at birth and criminal to suggest euthanasia. And we push on with our reduction of infant mortality until we save an excess of cripples and defectives from which to breed. The enhanced control that is in our hands and the fact that much of the world is actually filling up are at last giving us pause. The Indian mortality rate could doubtless be reduced by half. But what would you do with the increased population? Even if you bring huge areas of arid Indian land under irrigation and cultivation, it is only a matter of a generation or so before the new vacant space will be overrun by new population on the same low level of prosperity, health, and education as the old. Have you done any good by causing more babies to live? And so creating greater population pressure or by opening up new land to be filled at once by the human flood. Might it not have been better to have left the deaf side of nature's population control to itself until we had some future policy for dealing simultaneously with birth or to have kept some open spaces in reserve until there was some better reason for filling them. At the moment, most people do not even put such questions, much less try to answer them. And I just thought, you know, it's such a classic uh, passage, like basically your know, eugenicist perspective that's so typical of the dominant minority, you know, uh, scientific elite types. I was that, getting ready uh, to say, uh, does, it, does this guy have an obsession with eugenics or something? I'm, <laughs> I'm not really sure. <laughs> well, he's one of the leading ones, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he was also yeah, one yeah. of the first CEOs of UNESCO as well. Like I yeah. mentioned in our first uh, yeah, podcast yeah. episode I did with you. And he, uh, and, and the thing is that he's like mentioning like, you know, these people aren't going to be educated, not going to be prosperous. Basically, he's just judging their lives and like, okay, your life isn't worth living because you're don't you're not going to attain a certain level of education. You're not going to attain a certain level of prosperity. So your life isn't worth living. It's like, you know, who who gave you the right to do that? You know, you just, you know, I, well, yeah, of course, we, that guy didn't believe in God. So you can't, you know, say, well, you're, you're right. playing God or, you know, it right. really mean anything to him. But I've, I mean, I've read passages and I've done it on the podcast before. I mean, obviously, it's I've read passages in eco science where those guys are talking basically about the same thing, but they're talking about uh, vaccinations and, and things mm-hmm. like that. They're talking about poison vaccines in, in, in there. And they're talking about yeah. uh, biological laboratories. And they're saying, you know, some people might think that that would be a solution to the problem of overpopulation. It's amazing how they re, how they word themselves in these <laughs> books because they tell you what they endorse and then two or three lines later they say, but we can't really discuss that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I think it was Bill Gates that said that vaccines were going to, if we do a good enough job on vaccines, we're going to lower the po- Earth's population by I, 10 to 15 you know percent or something. I just so happened to have that clip. Would you like for me to play it? I have it on hand. Nice. And you're going to play another Bill Gates clip today anyway. Yes, so. yes, I yeah, am. But let's, let's play this one first. And then you, right. you make up your own mind, okay? This is Bill Gates at a TED Talk in, I want to say it was like 2010 when he, when he mm-hmm. said this. And you decide for yourself what you think he's saying. I mean, I know what he's saying, but you decide for yourself. <laughs> this is something that has to get to zero. Now, we put out a lot of carbon dioxide every year, uh, over 26 billion tons. Uh, For each American, it's about 20 tons. Uh, For people in poor countries, it's less than one ton. It's an average about five tons for everyone on the planet. And somehow we have to make changes 
that will bring that down to zero. It's been constantly going up. It's only various economic changes that have even flattened it at all. So we have to go from rapidly rising to falling and falling all the way to zero. This equation has four factors, a little bit of multiplication. So you've got a thing on the left, CO2, that you want to get to zero. And that's going to be based on the number of people, the services each person's using on average, the energy on average for each service, and the CO2 being put out uh, per unit of energy. So let's look at each one of these and see how we can get this down to zero. Uh, probably one of these numbers is going to have to get pretty near to zero. Now uh, that's <laughs> back from high school algebra, but let's, let's take a look. Uh, first we've got population. Uh, the world today has 6.8 billion people. That's headed up to about 9 billion. Now if we do a really great job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. That's kind of self-explanatory. He's literally calling for <laughs> genocide. Although granted, only 10 to 15%. So, but that's still, I mean, that's, that's over the population of the United States. That's, that he wants to that's hundreds of millions of people. That, that yeah. is hundreds of millions of people. Yeah. And if you look at the numbers just in this, uh, this COVID vaccine, if, if you look at the numbers of deaths that we're seeing from not just adverse reactions, but I mean, they're, like, the media is running interference at every corner about uh, improper treatments. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and of uh, course, not, no treatments at all because, you know, everything's for COVID and not for other ailments. Yeah. 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 amounts of death. Mental health, anxiety, alcoholism, drug abuse, suicide, uh, social, yeah. yeah, yeah, suicide rates, all off the charts. All of them are off the scales, and all of this contributes into the depopulation agenda. All of it. And so, like, here's here's a guy that's literally saying this again. He said that like 10, 12 years ago, somewhere along in there. And this is where we are now. And it's like, what, why, why are like common sense would tell you to hold this guy responsible? Like, if I have, if I'm investigating a crime. And I have somebody, let's say I'm investigating a murder, okay? Let's say I'm tasked with, you know, I'm hired by a you know, private agency to, to investigate a murder, if I'm doing a murder investigation. And I start looking at suspects and I see somebody on video that's saying a few years prior to that, I'm going to get that person, I'm going to make sure that gets done. Who do you think that I'm going to go to first as my number one suspect? Yeah, the person saying they're going to do it, yeah. Yeah. And also, I think actually some Italian politician actually did do it. I think it was Sarah Cuniel was her name, maybe? 100% on that. But yeah, there's an Italian politician calling for the for the imprisonment of Bill Gates back in 2020. And I think nobody listened to her, but, you know, she did. She did call for it. Yeah. And there's also a, uh, there's a lawsuit that's going on right now. There's a murder trial that's about to take place in the country of India against Bill Gates and his lawyer mm -hmm. he's been actually, charged there before he has yeah he has as a matter of fact he's wanted there already uh if his plane were ever to touch down on a tarmac in india he'd be clapped in irons and hauled away but his attorney or his representative attorney actually appeared at the uh the court and they accepted the charge so we'll see i'm not nice. holding out much hope no. but you know at least it's, no the legal system is not gonna yeah yeah anyway okay um yeah, there was that, uh, Bill Gates. Yes, I do have the other clip, but is there is, is there another way you wanted to go? Do you want me to do you want me to hold that clip? Do you want me to? Uh, I mean, since we're on this to the topic of Gates, or do you want to stick with what you've got and we'll move on from there? Um, well, since we're on the topic of Gates, we can we can continue to talk about what he's doing or what okay. he's saying. Okay. 
we've you... talked. Yeah, yeah. I played this clip with Ned on Monday, but that's okay because you guys haven't heard it yet. And and I, honestly, this is going to be one of those that we actually keep. The people that are behind mm-hmm. our political process and how things actually get pushed through and ran through the climate agenda. Again, another thing of depopulation. You just heard him work that into what he was talking about. The CO2 and the the climate thing and the environment and the economic, all that stuff, this all plays to Mm -hmm. that, what he's about to say. He was on a podcast for Bloomberg just last week, or excuse me, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, and he actually says, yeah, I'm the one that got that Inflation Reduction Act through. I'm the one that's responsible for dealing with this climate innovation when nobody else would. Yeah, that's me. Yes, I hosted a dinner for all those senators that weren't going along with the program, and they got some time with me, and we made sure that their decisions were were made correctly. Take a listen to this. So, you know, I'm Mm. getting governments involved, even just this latest bill that I you know, was personally involved in a lot of what got written into it and then working with the key senators in the last month to get it to pass, you know, that's far greater than any individual fortune. And I'm orchestrating a lot of people, Breakthrough Energy Ventures really entered the climate innovation space at a time when there was almost nothing going on. And by having deep expertise, it's been able to not only do its funding, but also get other funders involved. And the idea of replacing all the physical economy, you're going to have to use markets, you're going to have to use government R&D budgets, and you'll actually have to find the right people to get behind It's not just purely a financial thing. This landmark piece of climate legislation almost did not happen. You were one of the people who was involved in enabling it and helping it come through. You were someone who spoke to the Democratic Senator Joe Manchin, who was a deciding vote. Now, set the scene for me. Tell me the story of the call you made to Joe Manchin. Well, my dialogue with Joe has been going on for quite a while. I had a meeting where almost everyone on the Energy Committee came over and spent a few hours with me over a dinner discussing the role of innovation in climate and how the U.S. had both this opportunity and was really the only country, given the how quickly this needs to get done, that has that innovation power. Our universities, our national labs, our risk-taking, our ability to attract the brightest people from all over the world to come together. We've seen in industry after industry how that matters, and those skills matter a lot for this climate innovation. And so the idea that some sort of tax credits and project financing would have to be part of the mix, as well as more R&D, that dialogue had been going on for a long time. So you see, he's gotten through into the uh, the climate innovation when nobody else was was doing it because nobody else actually saw it as a problem until he made it one. And then he kind of let the cat out of the bag there. I don't know if you caught that, where he says, there's a lot that's going to go into replacing an entire physical economy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, um, the tax credits, you know, he said, well, a lot of money is going to have to go into this and we're going to have to get a lot of corporations, a lot of research, you know, a lot of R&D and everything. All that's going to have to go in there. And then, of course, we're going to need some tax credits. So he's going to get all the money funneled to him and his his organization, and his foundation, and then he's going to get the tax credits on the bottom of it. I didn't vote for Bill Gates and I didn't have an opportunity to vote for Bill Gates. Did you ever vote for Bill Gates? I've never seen his name on a ballot. No. And I, it's I, incredible I, I how much influence he is. wields. You know, despite not, uh, you it know, is. I mean, he, like we all, you know, we we all have the same degree as him. 
Did you know that? We, we all have the same degree as him in everything. The guy's not gotten a degree in anything. He has no experience whatsoever in any kind of coding or, or or anything like that. And he's somehow or another like this massive founder of, well, everything, really. I, I don't know how this even happens. Yeah, I mean, he's just sort of a... Uh, well, he's, he's one of the technocrats, really, is what he is. And he, you know... Uh, it, you're sort of we're sort of in this trans weird transition phase where the politicians are still there, but it's like they're having less and less of a role, and it's more and more the Bill Gates and Elon Musk, and it's more you know more of these technocrat characters that are really you know just making the big decisions and running things. You know, Carol and, you know, uh, talked about that saying, in in Tragedy and Hope. Uh, he actually said that if we don't somehow or another, and and back in the '60s when when he wrote this, he says if we don't somehow or another arrest this this uh, path that we're on, this agenda that we're headed to, we're going to end up with technocrats. And here we are. Yeah, new feudal system. Yeah, and it's, uh, so CEOs are not a new uh, feudal overlords and they, uh, of, of the big companies, the big, you know, tech companies and so on. And uh, I think, uh, not sure, uh, actually linked to a good, uh, interesting article by Douglas Rushkoff. He's actually advertising, I think it was called Survival of the Richest. And in that book, he basically talks about how he actually has met with tech millionaires, you know, uh, talking about how their survival strategies for all the mobs and unrest and things that are going to happen in the future that they expect. And like how they're building bunkers and they're going to get how they keep the loyalty of their security guards because they're going to hire Navy SEALs and so on to be their security. And, uh, you know, they, they fully expect basically, you know, to uh, vastly depopulate, lower standard of living, uh, you know, cut energy consumption. There's you know, even though these people are completely unelected, they're actually involved in making these things happen, and so and since they know they're going to happen because they're they're involved in causing it, they're preparing for you know the fallout and the backlash. It's incredible, but it oh not really incredible at this point, but it's um it's incredible that we're here that it's bleak that people don't see it. Yeah, well, yeah. I honestly I was I was telling this to Bruce last night uh, on on exactly that point. Actually, uh, I said you know what. I'm starting to see the people that are classically like the the left leaning, as in like ideologically minded. They're, they're kind of classically that. They're they were all about the the climate change thing before, and now they're like, hey, hang on a minute. Um, these people that are telling us that we need to do all this stuff, they're not doing it themselves. Somebody actually told me that a couple of weeks ago, and I said, yeah, you're noticing that, huh? And they said, yeah, that's not right. And I said, well, of course it's not right. People like myself and and many others have been saying that for years. I said, don't you find this hypocritical? And they say, oh, yeah, I don't believe any of that nonsense anymore at all. So I I think that maybe, maybe the tide is starting to turn because that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about changing the hearts and minds of people and and getting people to understand what's actually going on with that agenda. I think it's just so much of the agenda is, I mean, we're already like three quarters of the way towards a digital currency. Like I said before, you know, they're not the businesses aren't, you know, keeping enough change for the bills. And so many companies are pretty much every, every business who's, you know, any, you know, is actually relatively large is going to have, you know, all sorts of processing payments. I think like, you know, probably like two thirds, the three quarters of their payments are all done through credit cards or debit cards or or Apple pay, or Google pay, or what have you, rather than cash and cash payments are becoming fewer and fewer. So we were already like gradually you know, getting the digital currency situation universal basic income we already had the stimulus checks sent to all the americans who filed taxes in 2019 i think they all got stimulus checks i know i did even though i didn't want it and uh well i don't think they you know, gave people part, a choice this... they didn't give anybody a choice they just sent it no yeah they just did it and 
So, I mean, that, that's sort of like, you know, a trial balloon for universal basic income. And, and we, we know that the results are terrible, but because, uh, like, if you talk to managers at various businesses, even after the lockdowns ended and they were trying to hire new people, they couldn't get people to be hired. Like, I talked to a manager at a business. She said, uh, like, over two thirds of all the people interviews she would schedule wouldn't show up. Like, they, they basically what they would do is they would schedule the interview so they could tell the in their state that they, uh, See, I tried to get a work. See, I tried to get a job, and it just didn't work out, right? And so they could still be on rather than uh, actually get a job. And you know, the sort of the, the state, the government's basically making the employment shortage just worse. You know, the government interference. And but you know, it's just, I mean, the whole idea is that well, we're going to be depopulated anyway. So uh, I mean, you're 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 useless either, and uh, you're non you're non essential. You know, and uh, they really don't. Uh, you know, care about the employment, you know, system being viable or these businesses still lasting because a lot of these businesses are just service industry. Well, in fact, in the West, that's all you have left is service. You have a service economy, and these services, you know, these these people they're servicing, they're just a bunch of useless leaders. Useless leaders, and according to the leap, we shouldn't be. We we don't deserve to be. We're not worth all these resources that we're gobbling up. You know. On that point, and since we were discussing Bill Gates, because if you're going to have a mm-hmm. digital currency, you've got to have a digital ID to go with that digital currency, because you you got to have something yeah. to manage it. Uh, the Gates Foundation has pledged 1.27 billion dollars in funding towards achieving the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, with a portion of that, about 200 million worth, going towards, well, wouldn't you know it, international digital IDs. Huh. Didn't see that one coming, did you? No. Again, what was the basis? Uh, and I've, I've got some video here that is that is just incredible that is out today uh, from the European Parliament. What is the basis for digital ID? You see, these these organizations like the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, and and all these people, and these you know the United Nations and the European Union and everything else, right? All, all these groups, they say, well, we've got to have that. The, the central banks, oh, we got to have that digital ID. We have to have it. Why? Give me an actual example and a, and a reason as to why. We haven't been told exactly why we need this. Not a good enough reason anyway. What? Uh, we, we want it because the consumer needs it? According to what metrics? You know, of all the people that I have run across in my day, whether you agree with them politically or not, from the farthest extremes on either side and everything in between, I have never heard a single one of them ever say, you know what? I wish everything we had was digital. I wish all of my ID was yeah. digital. I wish all of our money was digital. I've never heard anybody say that ever. Yeah, it's uh, allegedly it's to keep us safe because part of it is the, the vaccine, you know, uh, OK, and they're not sort of thing. So, you know, just to make sure they're vaccinated, they got to keep an electronic record because that way, you know, everyone since everyone already has a smartphone. I mean, a smartphone, I mean, it's, it's like already halfway. I mean, I say like, again, just like with the, the already three quarters of the way to cashless, cashless society, we're way to digital ID with the smartphone. Because a smartphone, you're, you're required to have the, like, they'll send you a verification code or whatever. Companies, they're already requiring you to verify yourself through that device. So many different, you know, different businesses are doing that already. And so the, you know, the, the idea of just adding in your medical records and everything else about you and just have it all and conveniently, you know, stored in one little ID app thing. It's already, uh, I mean, we're, we're three quarters of the way there. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And I, 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 I have to say, what was the basis of that digital ID? What was the basis of that? Well, we had to have something to get our foot in the door, right? 
It had to be the COVID passport. That's what it was all about. Everybody was pushing the COVID passport. But in order to get that COVID passport, what'd you have to do? You had to get vaccinated, right? Even the guys like uh, Dr. Mike Yaden, you know, former vice president of Pfizer, their chief scientific officer, was warning about it from the start. He said, if you allow these people to start putting needles in arms, they're going to require that you take a digital ID and you will not be able to get rid of it. Or if you do, it, I mean, it's it's going to be very, very difficult in order to get rid of it. And it will it will end up in you need to get your top up injection of whatever they say, and that will validate your ID. And if you don't, you'll be excluded from society. This is an EU member of parliament, uh, Rob Roos, who was asking a Pfizer representative at a hearing if the mRNA vaccine was tested on, quote, preventing transmission at the time of introduction. That's what we were told, weren't we? That's what the governments all across the West and all across the world were saying. We got to stop the transmission. So you got to do this, right? Do it for everybody else. Do it for your family. Do it for your friends. Do it to get back into uh, into society. Do it so we can open things up. It was all a big con job. It was all a lie. Listen to this. Again, the, the CEO of Albert Borla, he wasn't able to make it because he had COVID for like the sixth time or whatever, but he had uh, his primary uh, round of vaccinations and all of his boosters. So he was fine, right? He, he, was, he was okay. He wasn't able to make it. So they sent this rep instead. Listen to what she says. If you don't get vaccinated, you're antisocial. This is what the Dutch prime minister and health minister told us. You don't get vaccinated just for yourself, but also for others. You do it for all of society. That's what I said. Today, this turned out to be complete nonsense. In a COVID hearing in the European Parliament, one of the Pfizer directors just admitted to me, at the time of introduction, the vaccine had never been tested on stopping the transmission of the virus. This removes the entire legal basis for the COVID passport. The COVID passport that led to massive institutional discrimination as people lost access to essential parts of society. I find this to be shocking, even criminal. Please watch the video until the end. Voor u, mevrouw Smal, heb ik de volgende vraag waar ik een duidelijk antwoord op wil. And I will speak in English so there are no misunderstandings. Was the Pfizer COVID vaccine tested on stopping the transmission of the virus before it entered the market? If not, please say it clearly. If yes, are you willing to share the data with this committee? And I really want a straight answer, yes or no, and I'm looking forward to it. Thank you very much. Um, regarding the question around, um, did we know about stopping humanization before um, it entered the market? No. Uh, these, um, you know, we had to really move at the speed of science to really understand what is taking place in the market. This is scandalous. Millions of people worldwide felt forced to get vaccinated because of the myth that you do it for others. Now, this turned out to be a cheap lie. This should be exposed. Please share this video. Bruce, I'd like for you to weigh in on your thoughts and then we'll go to Weston. No surprise. I mean, this is what we were saying from the very beginning. There was no testing. Um, hell, the most recent um, uh, booster was tested on what, eight rats? It didn't even go into human trials. You are the human trial. Uh, if you took the vaccine uh, or the booster or how any of the, the vaccines, 
Uh, we've talked about the 90 pages of side effects that were released. Um, we, we've talked about um, the, the data that's shown that, you know, there's an 80, what was it? 86% increase in ages 19 to 39 for having uh, heart disease or heart related complications leading to death. 80 some percent increase. I think it was 86, somewhere in that range. So we'll say 85 just to be safe. Yeah, that that's uh, quite the revelation after two years of people taking these damn things. Well, I guess it's not been two years yet, but pretty close. I honestly, this I I think this is just a political uh, rhetoric at this point. You, you you had the politicians up there going, you know, uh, getting these elites to admit, yeah, we tested on you, and is anything going to come of that? I mean, seriously. Uh, being being as an American, I'm uh, a bit um, gun shy when it comes to politicians. Uh, after seeing the Republican Party, watching them for the last uh, you know. 20 years or so of my political awareness, 15, 20 years, um, they don't do anything. They never do anything. Uh, they, they, they tell you they'll do something and, and then end up caving to whatever policy they said they were going to fight against or whatever. So is this, are, are we really going to see something out of this? Are we really going to see these people hang or are we just going to get the normal political rhetoric? And vote for me next elections, and then I'll continue to fight this. Send me money. Uh, I, that's what I think will end up happening in all of this. Is that last yeah? That, that's a nice operation. That's very uh, yeah. Yeah, that's it's been happening for so many years of politicians coming out. Um, I think uh, well, you had the in the U.S. I think you had the audit the Federal Reserve movement. And I think you know you had that huge movement to to, to ban the federal. In fact, actually, it's been since the nineteen fifties. Uh, because politicians, all the politicians in Congress and all the members of the Federal Reserve at the time, I think it was the Federal Reserve of New York, they all had Eustace Mullen's Secret of the Federal Reserve book. They actually had copies of it handed out to them. And one of the, it was actually a polit member of the House of Representatives at the time. can't remember his name. Yeah, it's actually that, you know, encouraged Mullins in writing this book and like said, I'm going to look into this. We're going to get rid of, you know, it's been 70 years. Nothing's been done about the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve just hiked up interest rates and is going to uh, crash the economy again soon. So not I mean, one audit. you know, uh, not one audit, you know, as that as that organization ever been through, not a single audit. Yeah. I mean, never mind being you know abolished, which it should be, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, you know, I mean, this goes to show, you know, how little action and, you know, and even things like a Roe v. Wade being overturned is still left up to each individual state. And so then now each individual state's a battleground. But so uh, so it basically it didn't really definitively you know, I mean, that whole abortion debate, I don't want to get into it because it's off topic, but, you know, or actually, no, it is part of the population agenda. And, it's part of it, yeah. Uh, it's just, I guess um, it is but relevant. But you know, no, I'm just saying, you know, it's like uh, there's been no significant political victory, really, for all the people, you know, campaigning against uh, various, uh, the basically the major issues. There's been no political victory. I've been alerted of this for many years now and haven't done anything. And yeah, I know these... I, I fully expect that this politician talking about how, you know, Pfizer didn't uh, do any studies uh, preventing, uh, showing that the vaccine prevented uh, transmission before they forced it on the public. I have no doubt that this will be another case of that where they're, you know, saying, hey, see, we're, we're fighting against this. We're going to we're going to punish the people responsible. And then if anybody gets punished, it'll be a middle mid-level manager type person. It won't be. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it'll be like that whoever. that woman who just mentioned the uh, the response there. Like she'll get fired or something, and the company will be fined yeah. two hundred fifty thousand dollars, and that'll be the end of it. Um, yeah. At most, and even Bill Gates isn't the top of you know. I mean, oh, Bill no. Gates is front no, man. No, no, no. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any anybody that you see that's a face out there, that person's expendable, and that includes Miss yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the man with the briefcase. Exactly yeah. that that includes the man with the briefcase down there in Davos named Klaus Schwab. He's just a face. That's all he is. Honestly, I think the most we're going to see as far as someone being thrown under the bus is maybe um, Eco Health Alliance uh, Dasik. I, I think that'll be the most that we see. Yeah. And that one uh, that one Harvard professor or Boston College professor, I, I can't remember, uh, Lieber, Charles Lieber, uh, he got thrown to the wolves a couple of I think a couple of years ago. But anyway, uh, sticking with the digital currencies, we had to have something in order to give us a digital ID to manage a digital currency. And in order to do that, we all had to take COVID jabs, right? That was supposed to be the an introduction to get you in, and then it was supposed to morph and change into something else. But that didn't exactly work. It didn't go as it didn't go to plan. Which, by the way, uh, the White House has just released this statement. They say that they are monitoring the rise of COVID variants. Just if you're wondering, I know you're all concerned about that, so I just thought I'd mention that. But we need those digital IDs to manage a digital currency. Well, let's talk about digital currencies for a minute. Um, I know that. Uh Facebook had one called Libra that Mark they Carney did, yeah. and then the ex, uh, uh, heads of the uh, Bank of England, he was saying that that wasn't ready, but it could be a currency similar to that. Mm-hmm. It could be like a central bank digital currency for but not for the world, really. Yeah. I don't well, know if it's going to be the World Bank or whoever. I, I mean, I guess he was. Mm-hmm. I don't know exactly who Possibly. would be the, it's the institution that would be in charge of, you know, creating and managing that. Yeah, possibly. Um, I I don't know, but I I don't I I don't see how you've got a, a group of people, and I'm talking about like the finance people, the finance people behind this. I don't see how they can't manage the current system, and then they're going to bring in something that's even more complex, and they're somehow going to manage that. I I don't see how that's even going to 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 work. But that's a side issue. Let's talk about something we already use. Let's talk about PayPal for just a few minutes. PayPal is a digital currency system. It's not an actual digital currency, but it, it kind of is. I mean, it's something we already know, we already use. We kind of link it to our bank accounts, our credit cards, that kind of stuff, and we pay each other with it. I mean, that's that's how it works. And it's a fast, easy, cheap way to send money across the world, and it's instant, and you don't have to worry about Western Union and all that stuff. And yeah, so a lot of people- Western Union it. takes a considerable chunk, like way more <laughs> the percentage out of it than PayPal or- Right. Yeah, yeah. I I haven't used Western Union in I think like 20 years, but anyway, that's if you can even find them anymore. This mm-hmm. uh this deal with PayPal, they came out earlier this week and they said that we're going to charge people $2500 directly out of their accounts if they are found to be spreading misinformation and disinformation. Then they got so much backlash from that, they said, "Oh no, 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 no. We didn't mean that. We we didn't mean that. No, no, no. We we made a mistake." Did you? Did you make a mistake? Let's go back. No, they didn't further. make a mistake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's go back even further. Weston, tell us about your story before that was even a thing. Yeah, no, they'd already started. They've already started uh, blocking people for misinformation. They just didn't say that they were blocking people for misinformation because I know this for a fact because going through the matrix got blocked on PayPal. And uh, we were told, I don't know exactly wording of it. Lisa would know, but we were told that uh, the terms of conditions, but they didn't specify exactly what we were violating. And it happened at the same time it happened to us thereafter, or shortly after, it happened to other people as well, other media outlets that were, you know, alternative truth movement type outlets that were, uh, you know, speaking out against the COVID agenda, World, World Economic Forum, Great Reset agenda, different, uh, you know, different things like that. You know, they're all being, uh, bank, you know, ba- banned off PayPal and the money in their accounts were frozen and all this stuff. So. I mean, they've already start, started their attack on you know, what they consider to be misinformation. And debanking, we kind of knew that it was going to go to debanking. But when all of this began, 
I remember I Bruce, I texted you that night. It was the it was right around the same time when you started seeing all the conservative pundits and, and things like that. Like Donald Trump got banned on Twitter and Rush Limbaugh got banned and uh, and a lot of these other people, they all got thrown off of these social networks seemingly at the same time. And then PayPal and and um what was the other one? Um what what's the other one that that, that people use for like donations starts with the P- Patreon started Patreon, doing that. Yeah. yeah, they started doing that as well. They started throwing off uh, a, a lot of the independent uh, journalists and and you know, people that were speaking out against it. YouTube, Google, Facebook, Instagram, like obviously that's that's the same company, but all of these tech companies in one fell swoop started to just kick everybody off that wasn't towing the line. And that's yeah. what it was. That's when it started. And and I'm betting that's about when it started for you it was around uh, 20, early 2020, mid 2020, wasn't it? It was actually 2021, right after or not long, like a few months after Alan died. And I think the reason why they decided to cut it then for in particular for cutting through the Matrix was because they weren't expecting cutting through the Matrix to continue after Alan passed away. They're like, Okay, that website's irrelevant now. Good, good riddance, you know. And and they weren't expecting people to continue posting, but you know, not sure Bev, who's you know Melissa, she did, and 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 she brought me on, and now we're doing even more things. So you know, I think that was part of the reason. We're like, oh, oh no, 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 we gotta cut funding for these people. We can't have this continue. Cutting through the matrix continue. I think so. That's what I suspect, and I think Melissa as well. We suspect that's what happened. And now you've got companies like uh, Gab. And, and Gab's been one of those companies that have kind of, they, they didn't do their servers on Amazon web servers or anything like that. So they weren't uh, they weren't able to do that, which I hope you don't do that. Uh, but they they kept their infrastructure off of that and the, the Google Cloud servers and, and things like that. So they were able to kind of skate around that and say, you know, we have our own servers. We don't need to worry about all that stuff. We don't need to concern ourselves with whatever Amazon decides they're going to do or whatever Google decides they're going to do. So we're not going to ban anybody like that. And now they've decided that they're going to um, adopt something called Gab Pay. I read about that this morning, and it's going to be a it's going to be a service that is similar, uh, oddly, um, uh, pretty similar to what PayPal does. It's going to be exactly that. And I've been saying that for quite some time now. I'm like, you know, we need a bank. We we, we need a bank of some kind, as in like the, the people that are out away from the political agendas. And we're just out here kind of thinking on our own and, and doing our own thing. We need a bank. We, we need a way to be able to uh, to pay each other and, and support each other and and finance things or and, and stock away um, business accounts and things like that. Because you're not going to be able to operate in this this technocracy and this autocracy that they're bringing in. You're not going to be able to do that if you have a brain. You can't have an independent thought and a political opinion that is against the tide and expect to be able to operate in their system, in their financial institutions. So we're going to have to have something else. We're, we're going to need some other alternative. And at least yeah, uh, underground over there, it's, yeah. yeah, it's got to be uh, it's got to be something like that. So. And as long as cash is still accepted at most places, or not, well, it's increasingly not accepted, but at least on some, there's still quite a few businesses left that I still accept cash. You know, uh, you know, we we accept cash. We in fact we encourage people to send cash uh, because uh, you know the, if the cash system, as long as it still works, it's I it's preferable over the digital system because the digital system is completely tracked and monitored, and they know exactly what you're spending your money on. And so, not that I mean, there's ways to track cash as well, but it's not quite as immediate and clear cut. I mean, electronic system is completely under total surveillance. But, uh, you know, as long as we're allowed to use cash, I'm, I'm happy to use it. Uh, but unfortunately, it's just that it's probably not going to we're not going to be allowed to 
continue doing that. And and also as well, I would say as the economy crashes and gets worse, you know, and uh, people don't have as much money to send, uh, you have to. You really don't know how long you know we can. There's even be much of a of a alternative movement, a truth movement, etc. You know, we're still going to be you know funding for it. And so I think that's reason, that's another reason why I you know completely devoted to cutting through Matrix because uh, you know I don't know how long I don't know what you know, tomorrow is going to bring I don't know uh, how much time is left to actually spread the information of Alan Watt you know so I just uh, try to just put out and promote as much as I can do as much as I can now and you do a great job at it you certainly caught my attention uh, and it's oh, been an you. absolute pleasure uh, having your having you on and take part in our discussion every week uh, we really do appreciate that we're happy that we get you uh, for for an hour a week uh, to talk to our listeners closing up here Bruce you want to weigh in there before we give uh, before we give Weston his uh, his final thought well you you've um, heard me talk a lot about uh, the the coming electronic systems and you know on on podcast this is something that we've kind of um, delved pretty deep into uh, the whole social credit system, digital currencies and all of that. Um, it, it, my opinion, this is inevitable. It's coming. Um, even with these uh, shortages and everything, the fun, fun note, I, I was looking up some, you know, crunching some numbers and whatnot of uh, that Bill Gates clip that you played about him saying you have to, uh, we have to depopulate using vaccines and everything. And the, the numbers he was quoting about how much carbon is uh, being released per person and so on and so forth. I was crunching those numbers and then figuring the uh, current uh, digital currency that they want us to have uh, to go into, I was comparing it to what we currently have with crypto miners and all of that, how much energy they, they consume. It's actually not even 1% of, of the world's uh, energy con- uh, production. That's still a ton of energy, mind you. 1% is still a lot. We, we produce something like 600 exajoules or something like that, which is a ton of energy in, in human perspective. Anyway, um, that's really pennies when you compare it to what uh, the earth produces or, or even the sun. But anyway, that's a side note. So even with the energy crisis coming, it, it, it's still, I, I think they're going to push for it because it, it, it is theoretically such a small uh, energy consumption. I mean, if it's less than 1% for crypto and these people are the ones that are mining it, do you know, running the transactions, they're not, they don't have, uh, the average person doesn't have a, a, a really good efficient system to, to, you know, as far as power consumption, everything, um, uh, the average person anyway. Um, yeah, I, 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 I think it's inevitable. It's coming. Yeah. Um, I guess for my final thought, I will say, uh, that's, you know, we're expecting a poor harvest this coming winter or this fall in Europe, especially, um, you know, supply shortages, energy shortages. They're expecting. And of course, there's a big crash, financial crash that everyone's expecting because of the interest rates, hikes and so on. So, uh, you know, the, you know, of course, this is just another crisis on the horizon, just a further push agenda, maybe actually fully go digital and cashless, maybe actually get the digital ID, maybe for another reason, maybe because the vaccine reason that maybe they didn't get the vaccination rates they wanted so they'll have to come up with another you know excuse to put everyone on a digital id um although i think even just with the variants they're just going to continue to ha- require more and more shots and then you know they're just like well okay the, all these people that aren't being haven't been getting the, all these shots you know these people are dangerous because you know they haven't been immunized and so on and they're just gonna they might still push the vaccination um i'm suspecting they will the vaccination reason for we have to have a digital id thing so you know it's uh no the agenda is steamrolling on ahead, and it's uh, it's it's sad. But as an individual, 
you know, you can, you know, you, you can take care of yourself and you can also you'll try to band together with other people. Maybe you don't completely agree with them on everything, but you can still, you know, agree on some things and hopefully pull through. Weston, I want to thank you for being here today. I would encourage all of our listeners to please go over to CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com and check out Weston's work and his team's work. And please support them if you can, because the information they put out is essential. Weston, thank you for being here today. We'll see you next week. Thank you for having me on. For those of you who would like to send us some feedback, please do so anytime by sending us an email at DynamicPodcast at ProtonMail.com. Also, do you like the podcast you're listening to? We do love having you as a listener, and we would ask you to pass this along to five friends. You know, someone you're trying to wake up and get them to think on their own? We would appreciate it very much if you would send them our direction. It's been an absolute pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you for being here this evening. Thank you to all of the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.